Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, August 14th. In today's news, President Trump delays some of the tariffs on Chinese goods to limit the effect on holiday shopping. Bill Barr orders a shakeup at the detention center where Jeffrey Epstein died. And House Democrats might come back early from their summer break to advance a gun control bill if they can whip the votes for an assault weapons ban. But first, the big idea. China is threatening to use force in Hong Kong, hoping that threats alone will disperse the mass protests that have gone on all summer, as students and others who yearn for the sweet taste of freedom make plans to continue protesting once universities resume classes next month. From the regime's perspective, that would take the protests uncomfortably close to celebrations planned on October 1st to mark the 70th anniversary of the foundation of the People's Republic of China, which was established with the goal of unifying Greater China under the leadership of the Communist Party. That concern, combined with increasingly strident rhetoric from Chinese officials, is raising fears about the possibility of military intervention in Hong Kong. This week, Chinese state media outlets have been tweeting ominous videos of Chinese tanks carrying out exercises in Shenzhen, the southern Chinese city that borders Hong Kong. Authorities in Beijing are portraying the pro-democracy protests as terrorism, another worrisome sign. China already stands accused of sending in thugs from local gangs to rough up protesters. And there are other concerns that the government will send in the People's Armed Police, a paramilitary force responsible for internal security and in the authoritarian parlance, quote, stability maintenance. There's also fear that the Chinese could send in the People's Liberation Army. Those are the guys that crushed the pro-democracy protests in Tiananmen Square 30 years ago this summer. But most analysts tell our Beijing bureau chief Anna Fifield that they think China will probably stop short of sending in troops. Xi Jinping doesn't have a lot of good options here. That's why his apparatchiks are using such strident language, so they don't actually have to use force and violence to unravel the protests. Meanwhile, President Trump, who has not shown leadership on this issue at all, said yesterday that the, quote, thing in Hong Kong is very tough, but he stopped short of criticizing the Chinese or the Hong Kong puppet government. Last week, Trump called the protests a riot, which is the term you'd expect more from Chinese propagandists than an American president. In comments to reporters and in a series of afternoon tweets yesterday, Trump took no strong position on the demonstrations. He echoed none of the defenses of freedom and democracy that we're hearing from Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill. Instead, he went with his go-to line, saying, we'll see what happens, and he expressed hope that no one dies. Meanwhile, inside the Hong Kong airport, where a sit-in has entered its third day, riot police armed with pepper spray and batons clashed with protesters. The police intervened after a frenzied mob seized a man, claiming he was an undercover Chinese agent. He may or may not have been, we don't know. And then blocked paramedics from transporting him for hours after he lost consciousness. Late Tuesday night, the group seized a second Chinese man who identified himself as a reporter for the Global Times, which is the Chinese Communist Party-run newspaper. There was no confirmation of that man's identity or employment, but the protesters tied his hands and didn't let him move or leave for many hours. Arrivals and departures are returning to normal this morning, according to Jerry Shi and Tim McLaughlin, two post reporters who were on the ground in the airport for us. The protest movement now faces a tipping point. 
as demonstrators seek the sympathy of the international community. On Wednesday, the largely leaderless protest movement distributed several statements on social media appealing for forgiveness from international travelers and medical personnel at the scene who have been inconvenienced. Bloody eye patches have also become the latest symbol of the protests after a young woman was hit in the face with a projectile this weekend in the subway that was apparently fired by police, though they deny it. From the tension, a new rallying symbol has been born. Eye for an eye, some protesters are shouting at the airport. Demonstrators are also spray-painting eye for an eye throughout the airport in Chinese and in English, and they're covering their faces with mock eye patches made of gauze. Some are coloring them red to signify blood. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, Trump announced yesterday that he will delay imposing tariffs on Chinese imports of cell phones, laptops, video game consoles, and certain types of footwear and clothing until December 15th, later than the September 1st deadline that he had announced last week. This announcement ensures that Apple products and other major consumer goods will be shielded from the import tax until at least December, thereby keeping costs on these products down during the holiday shopping season. It's the latest in a series of unexpected, frankly erratic announcements and reversals by Trump as this White House attempts to pressure China to change longstanding economic practices. The confusion and uncertainty has weighed on the economy, leading a lot of American companies to tighten up investments and even take job listings that they had already posted down as they wait for a resolution to the trade war. Increasingly, a lot of investment banks like Goldman Sachs don't think there will be a trade deal at all before the 2020 election. White House officials have been split over how to proceed with the China matter. Some, including Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow, have expressed optimism that some deal could be reached. But Trump and his senior trade advisor, Peter Navarro, a lifelong protectionist, have defended these tough tactics, saying they're necessary to change China's behavior. Tuesday's announcement reflected more of the cautious approach pushed by Mnuchin and Kudlow. Stocks moved sharply higher. The markets were pretty excited about the news, especially companies like Best Buy, Mattel, Macy's, and Nike, other places that depend on China as part of their supply chain. Shortly after the announcement, Trump told reporters that he delayed the tariffs, quote, just in case they would have a negative impact on shoppers. That is the most explicit admission that the president has made so far, that tariffs raise costs for American consumers and businesses and have a negative effect on the economy. He's insisted for months that that's not the case, but really it's Econ 101. Number two, the Justice Department reassigned the warden of the jail where sex offender Jeffrey Epstein died on Saturday. Two staffers have also been placed on leave. The New York Times says that the staffers who were supposed to be monitoring Epstein fell asleep, so they didn't check on him for hours before his body was found. The move to transfer the warden, Lamine NDA, who had only recently begun working there, came after Attorney General Bill Barr decried what he called serious irregularities and a failure to keep Epstein secure. Barr has appointed James Petrucci, who has been running a federal prison in nearby Otisville, New York, that's where Michael Cohen is, as the facility's new acting warden. This jail in Manhattan is run by the Bureau of Prisons, which is part of the Justice Department. Epstein was being held in a special housing unit of the MCC, as it's known, the Metropolitan Correction Center, called Nine South. He should have been checked on every 30 minutes. But records show correctional officers hadn't checked on him for several hours before he was discovered by staff who were delivering breakfast. 
To those who have worked in or around this facility, Epstein's death is viewed as a symptom of a larger problem and really, more broadly, bigger systemic issues in the Bureau of Prisons. Sometimes incompetence in this particular prison, though, has reached alarming proportions. In 2017, for example, a bank robber named David Evangelista was accidentally released, even after he told staff as they were letting him out of the jail that he had several years left on his sentence. Oops. Number three, the House panel with jurisdiction over firearms is expected to return early from the summer recess to vote on new gun control measures. But the big problem is Democrats are privately sparring over what exactly to approve. House Democrats universally agree on expanding background checks, legislation they already passed in February. They've also coalesced around proposals restricting high-capacity magazines, instituting red flag laws that keep guns from individuals showing warning signs of violence, and potentially more legislation on hate crimes. The House Judiciary Committee is moving to consider all these ideas during the week of Labor Day, according to two people familiar with the plan. That's a week before the full House is officially scheduled to return. But there's a raging debate over whether the House should advance legislation to reinstate the assault weapons ban that expired 15 years ago. It was in effect from 1994 to 2004. Gun control groups are pushing hard for it. But Democratic leadership doesn't want anyone to lose their seat for a show vote on a bill that's never going to become a law so long as Mitch McConnell is Senate Majority Leader and Donald Trump is president. Politics aside, though, the threat is real. FBI agents just discovered 25 guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition in an Ohio teenager's bedroom after he allegedly wrote online that he wanted to kill law enforcement officers. In an online discussion board about the Branch Davidian standoff in Waco in 1993, this teenager apparently mused about shooting every agent in sight. These are scary times. Stay safe out there. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, August 14th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.